0: Hello and welcome to the Raintown Riot Podcast. This is Thomas Mayfield here alongside Matt Raymer and Bobby Lloyd. A lot of things happening right now in the sports world. I want to lead off today with a local sports story. We've mentioned before that we are recording this podcast Proudly out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, we'd like to focus on local topics as well as national topics. So today we are starting with Paul Krebs. Paul Krebs is the athletic director for the University of New Mexico. He is currently under much scrutiny for the firing of Yvonne Sanchez, the Lady Lobo basketball coach. Uh, Sanchez was the winner of the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year just last season, was considered by many to have overachieved tremendously with the given roster that she had. So many people feel that her termination was not justifiable and may have been influenced by her gender, her ethnicity. Our own Bobby here is a major adversary to Krebs. Uh, Not only on this issue, but on many different topics over the last couple years surrounding the athletic department. So Bobby has beef with Krebs. Um, He also has beef because he stole my beef empanadas from the fridge last night without asking. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna. From where? Yeah. Where from are they you? from? Oh, my lady made them for me. Yeah. Ooh. Two beef empanadas. Nah, yeah. I only True, took man. one of those okay. empanadas. And, okay, True. really Hispanic yeah.
1: empanadas, then. Yes. I didn't even know what they were. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so what better way to start a new segment here called Bobby's Beef?
1: Bobby's Beef, Bobby. I
0: like where it. Bobby will talk about different individuals that he's beefing with. So, today he's gonna give some insight into why Paul Krebs is doing a poor job as UNM's U- AD.
1: Beautiful. I love I love Bobby's beef. I wasn't as big a fan as the empanada, but I was very hungry, so I chowed that thing down. (laughs) Um, Before I get started with my segment, I want an opportunity to uh, give thanks to my favorite hip hop artist, Christoph Crane, out of Minneapolis. Uh, He performs a lot of great music. I encourage you guys to check out his SoundCloud. Uh, just Google Christoph Crane, check it out. I'll, I'll find the link. I'll post it on our Twitter. But uh, yeah, incredible artist, great musician. Um, really, really inspired me a lot, and I'm uh, glad to be using his music. Uh, yeah, he did our he did our intro song, but now I'll get started with my take on Paul Krebs over the last. Since I've really been following UNM Sports Heavy, I've been disappointed with a lot of his decisions and his leadership at the top of our program. And I think it can be seen in how much of a disappointment our program has been in so many different areas with how much emphasis we put on having a competitive sports program. This last year, we were one of the worst basketball teams in the Mountain West. Our football team has uh, gone through a lot of adversity our soccer team has actually played pretty well, but I don't think. But I feel like we put so much emphasis on our football and basketball team that it's just disappointing to see it so poorly run.
2: Well, football and basketball bring all the money.
1: Supposedly, yeah. I mean, I feel like. Supposedly, it's not even an argument. Well. Over the over like the last five six years, like what has the football attendance been like?
2: It doesn't matter. The football still brings in
1: like people go to the tailgate, but they know we're gonna get our ass kicked, so they don't even go into the game anymore. Okay,
2: our stadium holds forty thousand. So we have eighteen thousand at the game. That's still a hell of a lot more than you're getting at any all the other sports combined besides basketball.
1: Yeah. So they bring in all the money. So it's not even close. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's, that's where our emphasis is, and I feel like there's been major letdowns. Paul Krebs hasn't been presenting the program the way I'd like it. What's this? What do we got going on here? Just other. Oh, yeah, of course. It's not What's not a pistol? What's not? Okay, so one, one of the big points that's been, that's been bugging me is Elizabeth Lambert. Uh, Matt, sounds like you've got beef with the Elizabeth Lambert Sports situation. This a
2: terrible thing if we're relating this to Paul Krebs. This is ridiculous. It
1: is not a terrible thing if we're relating this to Paul Krebs, because the because the shame with the Elizabeth Lambert situation. Let me hear your beef. I guess yeah. Yeah, my my beef with the Elizabeth Lambert situation is I think it was an entirely sexist point point of view and the way she was punished and the way the situation was handled by UNM administration was shameful. I thought that what we had was a competitive athlete who was completely let down by her administration. (laughs) Matt, did he just fart?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Matt's farting over here. His legs are all over me. That's the same. Okay, (laughs) let's move on.
2: Let's go on to
1: Lambert. Okay, Uh,
0: Uh,
2: legs uh, are all over you. I don't think my legs are all over you.
1: Elizabeth Lambert. If anyone is unfamiliar with the situation, she made Sports Center back a few years ago by uh, doing some unsportsmanlike conduct during a soccer game for the UNM Lady Lobos, uh, pulling girls' hair, punching, tripping people, which, in my opinion, it, it was shocking to see the video, but honestly, it's not that uncommon in sports for someone to get too heated and start playing dirty. Um, but with the national attention that she got, she got her scholarship suspended, she got kicked off the soccer team, and there there was a, a lot of negative repercussions in her life for something that happened on the field. It wasn't like she did some criminal activity. It looked like she got too heated during a soccer game and should have been suspended for a couple games and, and put through some training. Instead, I've thought Krebs in this situation just totally folded in the national spotlight and failed to like, have the back and just just, com- just completely folded in a responsibility to, like, defend his student-athletes?
2: Oh, I completely agree. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. Krebs did not support her nearly enough. It, the big incident, it was all over Good Morning America, it was all over it. everything, was when she pulled her hair. Because it was so definitive and you could see so blatantly it happening. She pulled the girl's hair so hard, it knocked her to the ground. And it, it looked bad. It looked really bad. However, it is a competition. We've seen things believe really that, that happened before. She should not have had that and Kreb should have had her back. One, I kind of have an interesting story with uh, Elizabeth Lambert. Uh, so the week all this happened, uh, she was going through hell. And me and her were parked next to each other at ToDeum, the weightlifting complex for all the athletes and where football and all the athletic centers are. And I was pulling out of the driveway... Cut pretty fast because I was wanting to get the hell out of there. I wanted to get home. Um, I had homework to do. I wanted to watch Monday Night Football, to be honest. <laughs> and somebody was talking to me, and I pulled out of the parking lot, and my front bumper of a big Ford Bronco, kind of like the OJ Simpson one, just not white, hit her back bumper and pulled her bumper completely off. The exact same week, she was going through hell in the national spotlight. So I felt pretty bad, right? I had no idea it was her car to first begin with. And then as a good Samaritan, a good citizen, right, I went and uh, looked it down. I said, hey, do you guys – anybody know who drives this car? And they pointed me to her and then I ended up meeting her. She was actually really freaking cool about it. I thought she would be pissed and like start crying, but she was really nice about it. And she's a really good-looking girl actually. But – uh yeah so that was an interesting take on that so
1: this is something I'll say. I don't know Elizabeth Lambert. I don't have any experience with her i My only impression that I ever saw of her was that she uh got way too competitive in that soccer game and way too mad at the other girls like she was not act- that was not a class act by her, but at the same time she's an athlete, and I felt like she at at least at this point in time she was treated in a sexist manner. I don't feel like if a football player pulled on another player's dreads hanging out of the helmet, it would have been the same reaction. I've, I've seen this type of thing happen That's no, not illegal. I just, I just don't feel like if she's a boy acting like this, she gets held to the same standard that she was held to. I don't, I don't know what your opinion is, but I just couldn't believe how much heat she got, and then I couldn't believe how Krebs folded on her. I, I think this is—Krebs
2: did. did not defend her the way he should have. She should not have been suspended the way she was. And the national media in general, I thought was ridiculous on her. Yeah. National media, like to be all over everything. Like, you should, it was so blatantly obvious, like in the video, that she was just scrutinized and put out there like no others. It was so easy. She was such an easy target with that video.
1: So, so your reaction initially when Thomas put up the, the Elizabeth Lambert talk was that it's not his fault at all for, for what happened. What, what... Your, it's not my
2: fault for what happened. I mean, she was in the wrong for what she did. Totally. The way he didn't defend her. Was also in the wrong. However, he just freaked out in that situation. But if I get to Paul Krebs, Paul Krebs has done a lot of things for the university that have been beneficiary. I mean, I, I know him a little bit personally. He's really nice. He's been really nice to me. I know I could go and talk to him and he would help me out. However, I, he's hired Steve Alford, one of the best successful coaches in basketball that we had. It's not our fault Steve Alford left the UCLA, right? That's not Krebs's fault. Krebs offered him a whole lot of money, as much money as he could pay him. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Loxley, who I Hold on. For,
1: Let's not talk about Mike Loxley quite yet, because I want to bring up the points first before we start talking about him. Okay. I think
2: I should establish a foundation before you bring up your points, but go ahead.
1: I think the Mike Loxley hiring is one of the most embarrassing points on a resume that an athletic administrator could possibly have. He... Literally hired probably the worst coach in the history of college football. Okay, so my
2: big rebuttal for that is Mike Loxley was like on a list of... T- look on ESPN.com when he was a uh, off the coordinator at Illinois. He was like in the top five hottest coaching candidates in the nation. Not just like anything like that. He just led Illinois to the Rose Bowl. Uh-huh. He was one of the hottest coaching candidates in the nation. Must be a creative as yes. heck mind. Sorry. Um... Bobby's phone's going off, but creative mind that was actually supposed to be well recognized as a really good hire when it took place. Really recognized that. Loxy's problem was that he didn't know how to run a
1: program yet.
2: X doesn't know he knew his stuff. He just had no idea how to run a program.
1: So, so if this guy is really one of the hottest hires in the entire nation, why didn't he go to an SEC school? Why didn't he go to a Big 12 school? Why, why did he come to New Mexico? Is it that possible that these other big schools... That were supposedly hyping him up as such a big hire, actually knew better, and didn't want to hire this guy? Our program was pretty good. I mean, the SEC, there, there's
2: only so many college football jobs that are out there. These things are grow on trees all over the place. I'm not saying that I they mean, you know
1: what I'm saying. He I, ended up here, and, and so, he took a respectable program into the dirt.
2: Okay, but Krebs did not know that at the time. That was more of a personal issue. It was a bad hire. I'm not giving many any credit. It was a Bad hire, but he doesn't deserve all the blame for what happened. For taking something that was well regarded when it happened.
1: Like, it, like, like, if this is me, because I'm pretty much, I pretty much have this beef because I want to be Paul Krebs. This, I want his job. If, if we're out there, we start. A, I'm going to start a Twitter hashtag, Bobby for Krebs. <laughs> <laughs> straight substitution, but biochem uh, degree straight to AD. I can do it, man. What? Is, it's not. It's not rocket science. I'm, I'm saying, like, it's one thing to have this guy up on, like. ESPN top list of possible candidates to hire for to hire somebody. But it's one thing to like go through the entire vetting and interview process and then make a mistake this big. You like,
2: know how many people are good at interview processes but that's it? That's not like a rare thing. I'm just saying that we don't know what happened there. It was well regard as a good hire. Lossie was supposed to come up with all this energy which he did but he just came out the wrong way. Because I mean I was experienced through all of it but Either way, that's besides, well, I'll say Krebs has made some bad decisions in the future, but I also think he has not done a terrible job, as everybody else is saying.
0: Okay. Well, he's, he's getting scrutiny right now because Neil, who just had a subpar year um, as the men's basketball coach, uh, male white Neil, gets to keep his job, whereas Hispanic female Yvonne Sanchez loses her job, and. I mean, arguably, Sanchez just—I just, mean, she just won Coach of the Year. So how did she,
1: she lose her job? To, what's the idea here?
0: I mean, I mean, the idea is that she was discriminated against. Uh huh. But I mean, she had an average season. But
1: if Krebs That's was asked this question, That's he would say it was just—he say she was discriminated against. he would say what? She had a poor season. It's Krebs, all If you want to come on the podcast and defend yourself. You contact us through our Twitter or Gmail, rametownriot at gmail dot com. All right. That is the end of this segment. It's not the end of this segment. I got I got more fire for you. Oh, okay. Alright. So we've got we've got Davies, obviously a strong hire, right?
2: Correct. Davies just took the football team to a bowl game last year.
1: Yeah. And and what what's more impressive than that he took the football team he's, to a bowl game is that he's recovered the Davey, program. Otherwise,
2: By the way, it's not Davies.
1: Sorry. Yeah. I appreciate it. But what I want to point out is that he took the program from where it was at, which I which I feel like taking it from a point like if, you, if he took over for Rocky Long, it wouldn't have been as big a deal for him to take him to a pro, to a bowl game. But taking it from where it was at and trying to like make it with with the players that he had and try to get more recruits to this. Like when when you mess up something that bad and you're losing nine games every year, I feel like it's tough to get the same quality of recruits. Tough to get players to come in. And I feel like what he's done is pretty, pretty respectable. Like I'm, I'm happy he's the football coach.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. he was my coach when I was a senior, and I respect the heck out of the guy. He treated me very well. And one thing that Davey did that was by far the hardest thing, I think, in my opinion. There's no depth on that team, zero mm-hmm. depth. In mm-hmm. spring ball, put it in perspective, in spring ball we had six healthy offensive linemen through the whole spring. So that means you didn't have a twos. In a collegiate football program... You should have 12, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It was really bad in spring ball. Like, there's no depth. Because one thing with Loxley, he started his coaching career with less scholarships. Because Rocky Long had the recruiting violations. So, Loxley had less scholarships every single year. Mm. And so, that hurt the depth. And then when Loxley left, a bunch of players transferred. So, between all of that, Davey was, st- was stuck with a really small class in a lot of sense, not much depth anywhere. So he's done a great job.
1: So this, this is my last, is my last bit of the beef with how I would like to see New Mexico Lobo sports run is I would like to see our scholarships and our opportunities go to some of the local athletes in New Mexico. I think it's a shame to see the Holyfield brothers from Manzano high school uh, Michael Holyfield went on to play at a, at Sam Houston State. Um, now he's in the D-League, almost made the Memphis Grizzlies roster as a center. Uh, wasn't offered a scholarship to the UNM Lobos. When uh, Centers don't come around that often. His little brother played for... Uh, SF Austin,
0: current player for
1: SF Austin as starting, a freshman. Starting for SF Austin as a yeah. freshman this year. Another player didn't get a... And not even not even maybe they're not our best available players, but I, what I would like to see the way I would like to see our sports program run high character, valuing the local community, bringing in people and, and instead of trying to get these these blue chip recruits or whoever or or the most necessarily the most talented players, I want to see the the highest character people coming coming through our program, and people that people that value our community, our community values them that actually represent. Albuquerque and the northern New Mexico area, and uh, I just I just don't feel like that's value to our com- and like we're not we're not gonna out compete Las Vegas and San Diego, who are our biggest uh, conference rivals when it comes to uh, a fun place for students to go to school. But what we might compete is say, hey, hey, we've got a lot of integrity. We're offering high-value educations to high-value students. Like We've got a great program, and parents and students that are serious about that stuff might buy into that and want that to be the case. Fair enough. I agree
2: that local kids, 100%, you always want to see local kids play for your college of your hometown, right? That just it shows a lot of character, a lot of more walk-ons, but they get the scholarships. However, I'm curious: Are you taking this point at Paul Krebs still, or just you know athletics in general? Because I
1: think it's not I Paul Krebs. It is if it's what you're thinking, because if it it was coach all the decision. If, if it was me, it would be me. I would no. I would hire. I would hire coaches that that want that type of program. I agree. Rocky Long recruited a lot of. In state players,
2: which Davey's actually recruiting more in state players. Good. Um, but also, uh, there's not
1: an influx of talent every year either. I mean, I mean, we're so, so we're losing more than half our games or around half our games every year. I'd rather see our own players lose more than half our games instead of some players from Louisiana and Texas and guys that don't, I don't know whether they take our scholarships and then do they stay here and contribute to our economy after? Do they care about New Mexico? Like we, we as taxpayers pay for these guys to go play for our program. Uh, we're not Alabama. We're not North Carolina. We're not. We're not one of these blue chip schools that's competing for national championship. Eventually, you got to be like, are we spending our money smart? Is this is this a good way for us to be running our our college sports program? A programs? lot
2: of old athletes stay in New Mexico, regardless if they're from here or not. Yeah, plenty true. and plenty. I would say this is a large number. I would say thirty five percent. That's a lot, right? Yeah. But I know of a lot of friends on Wolf Team that were not from Albuquerque that still live in New Mexico and work in New Mexico now with their degrees from college and contribute to society that way. Yeah. So I mean it's not just saying you're an in state guy it means you're no, staying in I'm, I'm
1: not I'm not saying that they all take off. I'm just saying like as, as as local taxpayers, we do we do pay the we do pay for the tuition. Like our money goes goes to college tuition, goes for these schol- these scholarships come out of out of uh, donor money, and I I just think it would be cool to see a higher emphasis. I, I, I hate to see these athletes get in the way, and I hate to see talented athletes that could, I think, perform. I've seen a lot of basketball players, a lot of football players that I think could perform at a level that would be on par with our college sports program, not get the opportunities, and I would like to see that.
0: Okay, fair enough. These are good points. Uh, Mr. Krebs, if you want to defend yourself, like Bobby said earlier, you can contact us and come on our show. We would love that. We are going to take a short break and return with um, a Matt Raymer story. He was talking about how he loves Davey's uh, character. We're going to return with a Matt Raymer story after the break. Hi there. This is Thomas Mayfield back on the Raintown Riot, and Raintown here is gonna lead off with a good story about our current UNM football coach, Paul Davy. Bob Davy. Bob Davy. Gosh, dang, that's a
2: rough one there. Um, anyway, yeah, Coach Davey. and uh, we were just butchering his name today. Yeah, you guys are struggling. Know who our football coach is? Anyway. Wow. <laughs> I guess I'll stand up for him. But anyway, so yeah, my senior year of football was Coach Davy's first year. And so we were off to camp in Rio Doso, and we were about midway through camp, and we had a man coverage uh, thing we were working on on defense. And I was in there at strong safety, and our offense uh, motioned a lot. If you've if you watched our current local football team, we motion a lot. And so the rules changed quite a bit on if we guy motions across, if you're in coverage, do you go up and you guard him or not. Anyway, one play happened— or our offense motioned across, and I motioned back instead of going forward, and Coach Davey blew the whistle before the ball was even snapped, came out there and started screaming at me, just saying, Raymond, what the hell are you doing? I thought you were smart. What are you? I thought you were smart. I thought you'd understand this just to be a senior, and sort of literally just reaming me like no other. And I got a lot of crap from being spot. I'm an engineer. If didn't know and so he started going off on me on that what's your degree, all this stuff stopping practice for everybody so everybody's watching this and of course I get pissed off and I go to I, go to the, I finish the play, next to the two whatever subs came back in, I went to the sideline I was talking to the DB coach on the sideline and we started going over it and I found out that I was actually correct on what I did <laughs> Coach Davey was wrong <laughs> he got a little cons- confused on what coverage we were in and so I made sure I, I let him know it when uh, we went to dinner that night. I didn't do it for the team because I was still battling for a starting spot. But uh, I was definitely correct. I don't know if he would ever remember the story, but I remember it like black and white. Well, what did he say to you when you told him about it at dinner? Oh, uh, he has a very, when you're talking to one-on-one, he's a very mild-mannered tone. And he was like, "All right, really?" He just like shook his head and be like, "All right." And that was no it. apology, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nope.
1: No. Hey, I'm I mean, he just me- reamed you, embarrassed you in front of everybody, and then turns out he was wrong. And yeah, that's about it. That's, that's how you, right. you
0: build a successful college football program. <laughs> program. <laughs> Do you think
1: he was just trying to trying to make an example of you? Or what, what it's was possible.
2: It's possible. I mean, it, it, when you start playing sports for so long, I've had so many head coaches in my life, like speeches don't really mean as much when you're a senior because you've heard everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe when him reaming on me, I was like, it just pissed me off. It like, didn't even like, I was like, whatever, it just pissed me off and so it made me better.
1: It made me better. I was... I heard Popovich will still do that to Duncan sometimes. Have you seen the sideline? Oh, yeah, Pop, Popovich will get in Duncan's and Nobly, anyone. All of them. Anybody, yeah. He reamed Danny Green in the first of the game
2: Saturday, so i started bringing up a different topic here, but he reamed Danny Green bad in the first two minutes of that game. called a timeout the whole team was standing over there. He had Danny Green one one, just yelling at him.
1: Well, I feel like when uh, when Popovich does that, or when uh, Bob Davie calls you out, and uh, you're you're a senior defensive captain on the team, and he embarrasses you like that in front of it, puts him in a powerful situation where as long as he trusts you to take that and not uh, and not blow up over it, then it puts him in a in a powerful situation where he has the he has everyone has to be okay with being called out and everyone has to be held accountable. So, if that's what he's thinking about... He knew I
2: could handle it. I wasn't a captain at that point, but he knew I could handle it.
1: But
0: anyway... Just just a quick side note here. The term Matt has been using reamed for all you kids listening... uh, Or adults, I guess. The kids are saying reamed now for scolded... What is is
1: reamed? Is that when Uh, you're like... Stab one of those uh, sticks through a corn on the cob. Well, I'm,
0: I'm here using uh, Internet Explorer and it says widen with a special tool. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's what Matt was going for, but it's synonymous, we're going to say, with like scolded or uh, ripped. Widen
1: with a ripped. special tool. What, yeah. what are we widening? <laughs> you don't, don't want to really be think. reamed, fellas. You don't want to be reamed. Okay. As you think of a. Uh, what's the name of the doctors that stick their fingers up your butt? Anal doctor.
0: (laughs) We're idiots. (laughs) All right. On on to... uh, All
2: right. So I got to transition here. So this weekend was a fantastic weekend in sports. It was... A lot of historic things happened. And one of the biggest conversations happening right now is the Masters. The biggest golf tournament of the year. So much tradition. Augusta National. Uh, Jordan Spieth. He's last year's defending winner. And heading into Sunday... He has led the entire tournament so far this year. So at seven straight rounds, he was in first place. And this year, on the front nine, he ended with four straight birdies. And he was going into the back nine, nine holes to win the Masters. And he had a five-stroke lead going into the back nine. And so on holes 10 and 11, he bogeyed both of them. However, people didn't really feel like he was in much trouble there because those were really difficult holes and there was later holes in the round that he could birdie and make up for it. However, the 12th hole, uh, par 3, was a historic collapse that we've never seen before in golf, really, for a leader like this for seven straight rounds. Jordan Spieth quadruple bogeyed the 12th hole. This is a par 3. His first shot, he hit into the water and so when he hit in into the water, you... Lose a stroke, and then he drop the ball. So what does he do with his next shot? From a much closer distance now, he hits in the water again. Two times in the water. And then his next shot, he lost two strokes now, but just by hitting the water, mm-hmm. he hits into the sand bunker past the green. So this is way weird for Spieth. Spieth has been on fire lately this tournament, right? And he ends up quadruple bogeying, so he goes from being a five-stroke lead to be down by two strokes after one hole. That is miraculous. Mm-hmm. And he ended up losing this tournament. And the question I have for you guys is this loss and this breakdown on the biggest stage in golf going to haunt him for how long and how long until he recovers from this?
1: So correct me if I'm wrong. Spieth is like 21 or 22, 22. years old. Correct? 22, 22 years old. So he... This is the biggest bump he's hit in his career yet, right? One like, of the biggest
2: bumps anybody would have ever hit in their career.
1: And, and this is the thing about golf, when you're thinking about performing in golf in comparison to uh, a lot of these other... It's so much a mental game. Not saying that the other ones aren't, but you can't rely on your athletic skills. You can't rely on your instincts. You have to be in the zone mentally. You have to be kind of like locked down, solid, uh... Not, nothing can crack you pretty much. Like you get ice in your veins to be a golfer. So what I wonder is, is like, how is his confidence going to be after this? Like, after blowing that type of lead, getting shook up, is he going to be able to perform in in high pressure situations? Is he going to a- approach it with the same level of of confidence, or is he is he going to be shaky? Is he going to get nervous? Is he going to think, oh no, this can't happen to me again? I oh is is this going to be something that he refers to in the future? Yeah, I mean confidence is huge in golf. Confidence, I feel
2: like, kind of sets a tone. Tiger Woods in his prime, he never thought he was going to lose, and uh, I feel like this could be a hard thing for him. However, like you're saying, I think he's young. He's the number one golfer in the world right now, and number I think two.
0: number J- two now. J- well, Jason Dane Oh, Jason Day is ahead, ahead of him. In number one. Yep, but yep, anyway, yep. real quick, so. Another well-known golfer in the past, by the name of Greg Norman, I don't know if you guys remember him, famous Australian, also blew a huge lead in the Masters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, he, in the 96 Masters, he um, took a six-stroke lead into the final 18 holes, and ended up shooting a 78 on the final round, and losing by five strokes. Wow. Wow. So I mean, this happens. I mean, we can go down
1: the list. And How was every... his career recovery? Any any implications on that, or that
0: would be something interesting to look into. Um, Spieth is twenty two years old, number two in the world. Already has two majors. Already has two majors. I think, I think he will be fine. I mean, he obviously is very very good at what he does. He, I mean. I mean time will tell, but but um I mean, we can look at other golfers
1: um Did either of you two did you guys ever have a uh high pressure situation where you melted down or were you ever in the middle of a meltdown during during a high pressure situation like the like speed and i mean obviously it's not going to be proportional to the masters, but something that was high pressure for you
2: My senior year of high school football, we were in the second round of the playoffs and uh, a really rainy day, and we couldn't get a stop on defense against their offense. That's one big Which thing. Which team I was
1: had. it? Oscars, high school. Did you, did you feel like you were at fault, or just the defensive unit in general? Well, I mean, football's such a team sport. It's hard yeah. to put one person.
0: But, I mean, I would definitely decide I didn't do my job to the best of my ability.
1: Uh-huh. Thomas?
0: There's been situations in sports I've played where I've felt like maybe I was being careful... In uh, whatever I was doing, maybe maybe I was playing too safe. So, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely have had the nerves in, in critical sports situations playing myself.
1: So hard to recover when you're in the middle of that. I think both of you guys remember uh, freshman year basketball. We're all on the same basketball team. I'm having the best game I had all season. I scored like 20-some points. We're down one point at the end of the game uh, playing against Rio Rancho. I steal the ball. Uh, it's me against nobody. I gotta go get, uh, just make a left-handed layup. I put the ball up there. Ball slips out of my hand. Glo- goes over the backboard. Closing seconds of the game. We lose the game.
2: I don't know how I don't remember this, dude.
1: I was, cr- I, I was like, I Bobby was like crying after you know, the. I was water. crying after the game. I was, I was heartbroken. Wow. But, I, but I mean, if I was a golfer, I don't think I would. My, my main thing was like, I was, I was sad that, I, sad that I let the team down. Speed has got to deal with this by himself. He's got to think. Mel- melting down, having, having a break, it's a, it's a tough situation. I don't know how how he's going to respond, how he's going to react to it. Well, I'm going to do with this and the Jordan Spieth. Last year, he was the player of the year of the
2: PGA Tour, and he only brought in $12 million last year, just in one year of golf. So I think he's doing okay for himself. All right, we'll take a little short break, and we'll catch up with you guys next.
1: Alright, welcome back from that short break. We're here with Rain Town Riot Podcast. Bobby Lloyd, I feel like the number one thing that we got going on right now in the sports world, at least the most intriguing to me, is these Golden State Warriors. And are they about to break the single season record for most wins in a season? Beating the, uh, I believe, the 95-96 Bulls. Right now the Warriors are at 72-9 and nine as of last night when they beat the San Antonio Spurs, being the only team to beat San Antonio in San Antonio this season. Uh, Matt, I know you're a big fan of the Golden State Warriors. I'm going to let you uh, talk about some of your excitement right now.
2: Yeah, it was a great game. Great game uh, last night. And the Warriors had a slow first quarter, scoring 15 points. But after that, they really controlled the game and... Steph Curry had 37 points, and they already had the MVP locked up, but displayed it even more. And they beat San Antonio in San Antonio. San Antonio was trying to be the first team in NBA history to go undefeated at home through an entire season. And by doing this, also, the Warriors are the only team in NBA history not to lose back to back games in a season.
1: Wow, I didn't realize that. That's incredible. So every game that they've lost, they've followed up with a win. I think we're looking at probably, from Steph Curry, the most impressive basketball I've ever seen in my life. This guy seems like he's on a video game or something. Like It reminds me of when I was a kid. I think it was 2000, 2001 season. Allen Iverson carries his team to the uh, finals. And it's like, well, how is this guy who's just the normal size guy doing this? Except for instead of being Allen Iverson and shooting at a 40% clip, He's shooting at a 50% clip, and he's like some sort of basketball guy. Like,
2: statistically, he's the most efficient player in NBA history, I believe.
1: Yeah. No, his PER is off the charts. He's up there with Chamberlain when Chamberlain averaged 50 points. In the modern era, it's the most impressive thing we've ever seen.
0: Yeah. So near the end of the game there, the Warriors and Spurs were going back and forth. It's kind of like a 7, 8-point game. And, then, and they had Curry on the bench in the fourth quarter, probably about... Seven minutes to go. Curry comes in. The Warriors just explode. Curry layup. uh, A steal by one of the Warriors. Curry assist. Another Curry layup. And it's just like out of this world, the difficulty of shots he's taking and making. And what the Warriors were able to accomplish there, one more in in the Oracle Arena and
1: all-time record for them. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to see it. I just want to see history made. It's interesting to me, like, obviously we're looking at one of the greatest players that's ever played. And similar in a way that Michael Jordan gets a lot of credit for those Bulls, he's also playing on a team with a lot of great players. Like, Michael Jordan was playing with the Bulls, and he'll always be who you think of when you think of the Bulls. But then there's also Scottie Pippen was there, Dennis Rodman was there, Tony Kukoc, uh Ron Harper. Ron Harper, Steve Kerr, Luke Longley, um, Horace Grant. Just pe- people doing their job, making big things happen. And I think the Warriors supporting cast, despite all of the credit that gets given to Curry, and I think he deserves every inch of it, and I think he deserves to be the unanimous MVP this season, the Warriors supporting cast has been incredible also. Every- everybody comes and brings it every night, it seems like. Draymond Green... Has outperformed his expectations as much as any player ever. I feel like coming into the NBA, like his his the way he's performing every. He's an All NBA forward.
2: He's arguably the defensive player of the year. I mean, their defense is what well, gets overlooked still because they're so incredible offensively, so fun to watch. But they are still a top ten defensive team, and the postseason they're going to really show it. I mean, Bogut is still a good defender at center. Great defender. And their biggest asset they have is they switch every screen because they have all these. Long athletic guys who can defend Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, and
1: Klay Thompson. All four just switch all the time. Here's an interesting stat for you. Two players, highest defensive win shares per 48 minutes. They're both centers. If you can guess who they are. Draymond Green. Draymond Green is a center. Draymond Green is not a center. Matt's automatically disqualified. Andrew Bogut and Tim Duncan have the highest win shares per 48 minutes. Any players in the
2: Green plays center for like a third of every single Warriors game. So I thought he could be still classified as a
1: center. He doesn't and win that. You're disqualified. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Stubborn body.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, just give a shout out to all the players. I mean, Sean Livingston is playing great this year as the backup point guard for Curry. Manjo um, Barbosa, the Brazilian Blur is playing great. Maurice Spates, Mo Buckets, tons of good players. Andre
1: Iguodala, Harrison Barnes. Brandon
0: Rush. This team is just unbelievably deep so many interesting things happened with this Spurs Warriors matchup the Spurs had not last at, lost at home since March of 2015 they went into this home game with the longest home winning streak in the history of the NBA um, the Warriors had not beaten the Spurs at home in 30 years so there was so much on the line in this game and the the Warriors just they did it and uh I would have liked to seen Duncan play in that game, but I mean it's still not gonna take anything away from that accomplishment and uh we'll be we'll be watching this Wednesday, Warriors Grizzlies to break the record. Yeah, and then uh one other
2: quick note since I have to give a shout out to Russell Westbrook who He's not going to win the MVP by no means because Curry's running away with it, rightfully so. However, Russell Westbrook tonight tied the NBA all-time rep mark for triple-doubles in a season. He tied Magic Johnson. And just put it in perspective, tonight alone, Russell Westbrook got a triple-double in 18 minutes. Wow. Wow! 18? 18, 18 triple, minutes. It was in the first double. half, he had a triple-double. And it was against the Lakers, so the Lakers are not good. Mm-hmm. But either way, they had a triple double in 18 minutes tonight.
1: Is 18, that triple many double, assists right? in 10 minutes? I'm pretty sure. Is it 18 season. It. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did you tied Magic Johnson. So he's having a historic season, too. It's just Curry's just, their team, Curry and the team are just so historic that Curry's running away with it.
1: I hope Curry gets the unanimous MVP. No one has ever been voted. Media members vote for the MVP awards. No player has ever unanimously won the MVP. And I'm hoping this is the year Curry gets it. All respect to Russell Westbrook. I think he, uh, what he's accomplishing is incredible. But I think... I'm, I'm just hoping that all those people... Unfortunately, our media positions aren't prestigious enough to get votes yet. But I'm hoping that the media outlets that do decide who gets these MVP awards, I hope that they vote for sure. So, three.
0: with this stat, the Russell Westbrook stat, I, I've i heard this a couple times throughout the season. How is Oscar Robertson not there? To be honest, I don't know, 100%. I've had to guess they didn't record stats efficiently enough
2: back then. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, there's some sort of uh, flaw in the stat keeping. I see. But Pete I mean,
2: Maravich was pretty damn good, too. I don't know if he was a triple-double machine, but he would have been really high in a lot of the categories.
1: Yeah. Well, Oscar Robertson
0: says he would be better than Steph Curry. Oscar Robertson is an incredible player, but once
2: you start arguing all these generational basketball oh, you can't, things, it's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> There's been so many evolutions in the game of basketball since Oscar Robertson was averaging a triple. Do- Oscar Robertson, I've seen videotape of him, was not ambidextrous on the basketball court. Uncomfortable dribb- dribbling with his left hand. We're talking we're, that
2: Oscar Robertson was uncomfortable that's a
1: big term. Uncomfortable I, dribblers, can? I am as talented of a dribbler as Oscar Robertson. You're ridiculous. I'm not ridiculous. Anyway, let's <laughs> <laughs>
2: switch this <first> topic.
1: <laughs> I had an interesting bit going on with the revolutions in basketball. Okay, okay, go on from where it's da- how it's adapted. Revolutions in basketball that I can think of since I've been alive. Revolutions or evolutions? Both, both, Both. evolution, evolution of basketball through revolution. Thinking way ahead. Okay, go on. Way to uh, improve my my topic. So, um, when Magic Johnson was playing, putting your hand on the side of the ball was illegal. He was the he was the first player that ever started doing this at all, and he got called for it frequently. Okay, uh, Doctor J is another another guy that was getting called for turning the ball over. So it's
2: called carrying. a lot of times if you're not familiar with the term, it's when you're dribbling and your hands on the side of the ball. It's a carrying foul in old time basketball.
1: Yeah, it's
2: not foul, but
1: turnover. But we we've seen just we've seen like so many cha- changes in the game since the days of Oscar Robertson. Nowadays, there would never be a guard that that it isn't. As good dribbling with his left hand as he is with his right hand, these guys they can do everything with both hands. They can they can make baskets within six feet with both hands, anything that they want. Um, we've seen the uh, like Allen Iverson completely revolutionized the crossover and changed the way that people are dribbling nowadays. Like before, before Allen Iverson was playing in the game, guys. Is, there wasn't there wasn't that same level of crossover. If you look at like what a typical everyday point guard in the NBA is able to do, say uh, Ty Lawson, compared to uh, what like guys from the early, Bob Cousy, Bob not Bob Cousy, even, Jerry, guy, Jerry West. even guys in the '80s uh, that that were point guards or early '90s. Um, Tim Hardaway was considered to be just an incredible crossover genius, and today he would be. His dribbling skills are pretty typical. The average point guard. So you're um, saying the
2: skill has gotten better today?
1: Everywhere. Undoubtedly, yeah. Everywhere. everywhere. Yeah.
2: Well, it's science. People train harder when they're younger. They're exposed to basketball at a much younger age. And they train in the Smart, weight room. Smarter training. Yeah, there's so much oh, different yeah. analytics that go into it as well that's Kevin Garnett.
1: Clifford Clifford Robinson is the first NBA player over 6'10 to ever hit a thousand three pointers. And that this happened in the 90s. Within the next 20 years, there's going to be a ton of these guys. They're going to be all over the list. 6'10 guys shooting three-pointers is, is like, the new common thing. That's, like, the most common place for a power forward to be playing right now is, like, out there shooting three-pointers. So there's just all these different developments and guys that have come along and changed the game that Oscar Robertson wasn't there for. He didn't grow up in that era. The game is way different than the way that he played it. And there's just... I mean, I feel, ba- I feel bad for him. I feel bad that he's bitter. And, uh... And uh, doesn't doesn't understand this idea that the game is way different, but there's just there's there's just no chance. Like the the basketball eras have changed. The athletes
2: are different nowadays.
1: Weight training, nutrition, yeah, all kinds of different things. Comparing eras in any sport, I think, is so difficult. So you got to give respect to what those guys were able to do. There's actually a theory that Wilt Chamberlain was actually had access to a time machine. <laughs> that's why that's why he was able to average fifty points and jump fifty inches and wrestle bobcats. Did you ever hear about this? No. Will Will Chamberlain. Driving through the Arizona direct, Desert. Direct quote, wrestled a bobcat for no reason. Could jump fifty inches, slept with win? over twenty thousand women.
2: That was ten thousand.
1: Was it? That was ten thousand. Still pretty impressive. <laughs> What do, what do we got next? What's going on? Okay, around?
0: well we're gonna we're gonna take another short break and come back at you with some more NBA talk. Welcome back to the Rain Town Riot. We are now gonna get into the Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant. As many of our listeners probably know, he is coming down to his final two games of his career, and. Just a quick question for you guys. Would you regard Kobe Bryant as classy? Just yes or no? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So Kobe It's interesting to me just that he is regarded as classy mm-hmm. because vino, Kobe, like yeah, a fine wine. Yeah, he is he's vino, but he also um I mean we know we know he didn't rape that woman, but he but he did commit adultery, he did run Shaq out of town, he did commit many dirty, flagrant fouls throughout his NBA career. And now all of a sudden this season, Kobe's the classiest guy we've ever seen in our lives. He like completely
2: changed his personality this year. He remembered me like this ferocious I wanna call him a piranha or black mama's his nickname that Snake. He was so intense to his teammates. He ran Dwight Howard out, which Dwight yeah, Howard yeah. could be soft. I mean, right. whatever. But either way, he's a very intense, always wanted to win, and everything he does. And now this year, he's like, well, oh, whatever happens, happens.
0: I'm just wondering why Kobe gets to be classy now, and
1: and throughout his. Yeah, career. It's not just. I mean, I mean, the it's it's the parts of Kobe that he decides to share with us compared to the parts that other people decide to share with us. You know, like when Kobe's in the media. He's, he's a class act he says that he, he cares about what the media thinks about him he cares about what people think about him he tries to do good things he speaks well um makes polite jokes and uh is kind of a little bit phony and uh <laughs> what are you laughing about Matt some funny stuff here
2: oh I started to laugh because I started looking up the prices for Kobe's last game on Wednesday and so for the nosebleeds pretty much the worst seat in the house $700 <laughs> And so I was like, hey, what well, do you know? What I'm gonna step up, right? So I can click on the stadium seat. I cooked on one that's pretty close to the front in the middle. They start at two, two, like twenty eight hundred dollars. They start. That wow. just shows this is for Kobe's last game on the second worst team in the NBA.
1: Find the most expensive ticket you can get.
2: The most expensive ticket I can get. Yeah. I'm guessing that well, yeah.
1: they won't even have them on here. Oh yeah. Well, whatever is available, we'll try
0: to book one. So Kobe, Kobe is there it's, it's crazy with Kobe here with this farewell tour because who else gets this? Because Duncan, Duncan probably doesn't no, get it. No, Duncan this. doesn't get it. Just I mean,
1: Jeter, Jeter is the first time I can ever remember this happening, and I feel like Kobe... David Ortiz is getting it this year just, in baseball. They're, they're just ripping off what they did for Jeter. 28000 28000 Dang. Out of our price range.
0: Right. So, I mean... But with these farewell tours, so, I mean, there's so many other great players right now. Garnett, Nowitzki, Paul Pierce, Duncan, and Kobe is just this alternate, like, I mean, personality and alternate NBA great, just even more so than these others.
1: Well, the only one of those guys, I mean, no disrespect to Garnett or uh, Nowitzki. Because I think I think they're great, but I don't think they've had as big of an impact on our country as Kobe has. Like I feel like he's been in the spotlight, he's been in Los Angeles his entire career. Um, Five championships compared to uh, one for each of those two guys. Duncan, I feel like Duncan deserves to be in that national national champion in college basketball. Uh it'll be sad to see him go out. Like there's just there's a chance this is his last year. He's coming to the end of his contract and he might not re-up for next year, and all anyone's talking about is how great Kobe is. And it's actually Duncan, who I mentioned earlier, is still uh getting the most like one of the most effective defensive players in the league. Um his team's still competing for a championship. He's still playing at a high level. Kobe is in a unique situation where he's been kinda just kind of they're, they're throwing the season away, and it's been more of like a farewell tour for an aging rock band than it has been like a competitive sports team. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic there.
2: I think that I think this topic is beyond it. I think talking about Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant in terms of who's getting the most hype and arguing who's the better player in NBA history is very interesting. I, th- I think Tim Duncan's the best power forward of all time. If you look at his defensive numbers, efficiency... What he's done in his career, right? He's made the playoffs like 19 straight years or something, and uh, he just won his thousandth game last week.
1: One of th- three players.
2: Thousand games.
1: Who else? You have any idea? No, that's
2: okay. a thousand games. Think about it. that's 20 years of uh, you won 50 games.
1: That is incredible. Ridiculous. It's incredible. Yeah, um, I feel like if you can go back to the 1997 season. And uh, Kobe just had his rookie year, Duncan's about, and, and having foresight, I feel like I get to pick one of these guys to be the face of my franchise for the next 20 years. I'm going to go with Duncan. I would go with Duncan. Who'd you go with, Thomas?
0: I, if I'm, if I'm who, though? If just I'm, say any team. Any team. No, no, no. no I'm not, I'm not, am I a fan? Am I the owner? You are o- owner. the general, you're the owner. I'm the yeah. owner. I'm going to go Kobe. Because more marketable, make more yeah, money? more marketable. If I wait. remember
2: distinctly in your bedroom,
0: you had a picture of Kobe Bryant dunking. I believe it was like a dunk contest, right? I think that was an in-game dunk. Oh. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm here criticizing Kobe because I think he's a dirty player throughout his career. But I'm actually kind of a Kobe fan, so...
1: I was just arguing for the sake of arguing. Well, this is the thing: is who is actually classy? You know, like what is what is classy? Jordan's nice. not
2: classy if we're going to do the same length. Jordan was definitely not. He made not classy.
1: Space Jam. Was pretty classy in that movie. Awesome. Bill Russell, classy.
2: Bill Russell's known to be classy.
1: Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby's not classy. Not very classy. Did we, did we used to think he was classy? Yes. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. There's there's like Curry's classy. classy, right? As of what we know about him right now, Curry is classy, but. uh... The classy is more of an appearance thing. We're talking on the court else. classy right
2: now. But we're not talking off the court. I'm assuming, right?
1: Right. On the court, I don't know, even know if that is something you can be. Can you? I mean, I don't. I don't feel like. Okay, let me let me think of some unclassy things I've seen on the court. We're on like, our
0: test, Lance
1: Stevenson, LeBron James walking walking off the court instead of congratulating the right. Orlando Magic for kicking him out of the playoffs. That Wilson, was not classy. I don't judge Adam Morrison for that. I think you I were just raised in a special way where crying is really it, unforgivable. On
2: the court in the middle of a game is the most ridiculous thing I've ever in seen. In the game, before. he was crying? Yeah, it was I thought like, it was post game. It wasn't even over yet.
1: How much post- time was left?
2: Not much at all. Hardly a yeah. one second. <laughs> like one second. I don't give a damn. Okay, that was okay. embarrassing. Going back to that.
1: That's that, not, not classy, that's just not. Uh, it's embarrassing.
0: Going back to that earlier uh, point of the three players who have won 1,000 games, Tim Duncan, along with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish! To to end the segment here, we're going to move on after this, but interesting fact on Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan has more wins than five franchises. Holy crap. <laughs> Charlotte Bobcats, Minnesota Timberwolves, Toronto Raptors, Memphis Grizzlies, and New Orleans Pelicans. Well, New Orleans is Pelicans are new, and Bobcats are fairly new. They're all fairly
1: new, but, but still, uh, they've been around. Like, Minnesota Timberwolves have been around since the 1990 season. They've got an eight-season head start on them. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Okay, we will be back in just a minute after a quick break.
1: Rametown Riot, here we go. We got a hot take by Raymer on some fresh new news in the NFL.
2: Alright, so on probably the worst team in the NFL right now, the Cleveland Browns, uh, the problems just got worse. Josh Gordon, their Pro Bowl wide receiver, and their best offensive weapon, maybe Barnage could compete a little bit, but just failed another drug test. And if you recall... He was suspended all of last season for breaking the league's drug policy. And now this is his third failed test. And he's probably going to be suspended definitely. And I think it's a very sad story. But also, I think he's an idiot. And I don't have much sympathy for him. I think if you can't control and not smoke weed, then you have some serious problems. I mean, you, you're you throwing away millions of dollars and you keep saying all these people, oh, I'm in rehab, I'm trying to do all this, but you can't not smoke weed? I think that's just ridiculous. It's and really incredible. I think it's absolutely miraculous. He's throwing away millions of dollars. And All of
1: Fame, so much you... When you're saying millions, we're talking about a guy that had a potential to sign a $100 million contract at some point. Like, this guy... He, what, well, the he,
2: NFL doesn't offer that much.
1: For receivers. How much like can that. a receiver make? I think he would have been... 15 million a year? He... He probably, if he would have been
2: had a good, good three clean seasons and completely transformed his personal life that way, 20 million guaranteed. We'll put it that way.
1: His last year in the NFL, when, when he was on the team for the full sixteen season, I'm pretty sure he had the best season. He was the best receiver in the yeah, league. He was the best he, receiver. He was just been for
2: four games, came back, and he was the best receiver in the league.
1: Yeah. He was ridiculous. He was so good.
2: But he, would you guys have, what's your take on this, Thomas? Do you have any sympathy for him any for? What is your feeling towards this, Tom?
0: I I have to agree with you that I don't have sympathy on this, but it's an interesting trend what's going on with marijuana in sports because a lot of these athletes I I mean they you could make an argument it might help with recovery I mean these guys are in the pain game and their bodies don't feel good and mar- marijuana can definitely help in making their bodies feel better so now we see a lot of athletes using synthetic marijuana and screaming in hotel lobbies and getting in uh legal trouble showing up at a police station
1: showing up at a police station with your shirt off and things of that nature so so let me break let me break down the synthetic marijuana situation and what goes on legally with, with because of the because of the way united states laws work they can't illegalize the idea of synthetic marijuana. What they can illegalize is certain molecules. So what happens is when the synthetic marijuana first came out, it was very similar to uh, like the molecule that you're smoking is very similar to THC which is the active ingredient in marijuana that gets you high. As we're moving along with with this idea, they, they illegalize one molecule, they make another change. They legalize that molecule, they make another change. and It just keeps going on. They just keep making more changes and gradually... This uh, synthetic marijuana goes from something that's relatively harmless to something that's super dangerous, and in comparison to like much harder drugs. The reason that I'm making this point is that I feel like eventually NFL, U.S. government, everyone's got to take a look at the marijuana situation holistically and try to understand like what are we actually doing? Why are we trying to control this? Because Josh. My t- my take on the whole situation, I do feel sympathy for Josh Gordon. I feel like there's obviously some reason why he needs this in his life where he wouldn't have passed up the opportunity for millions and millions of dollars. I know that there's drug abuse in the NFL and other forms and drugs that might be more harmful for your life in the long term like uh, painkillers, um, derivatives of amphetamines like Adderall and Ritalin, uh, steroids, Different things that actually like mess up vital organs in comparison to marijuana that doesn't actually do that, and I'm not a marijuana smoker, but I do understand the situation and I feel like there's got to be some sort of reason why this guy can't quit smoking.
0: This is Gordon's third failed test is that third or fourth? okay, it might be I, fourth I mean the fact that that's happened though I mean and he could be making as we've said the the state amount of money as mentioned earlier it's just I have a hard time not blaming him because he knows what he's doing. He knows, he knows the implications of being suspended season after season.
2: I have 100% zero sympathy for him. And how Bobby's saying maybe he needs this in his life, well, then come out like Ricky Williams did. Say, I love marijuana. I'm going to stop because I want to smoke marijuana. Don't go and tell everybody that, oh, I want to be better. I want to do this. I'm going to rehab. I want to get off of marijuana. I want to do this. And then go and freaking let the whole organization down who's given so much time to you really and trying to help you for so long and you just throw their, their fans, everybody on the bus or down because you have to smoke weed? Are you freaking kidding me? It's a joke in my opinion.
1: Absolute joke. Bad joke. Not even very funny. Great point. A
2: side note on this though. I think this part is kind of funny. Uh, Johnny Menzel, the infamous Johnny Menzel, Cleveland Browns, he came out and said he was living with Von Miller to a statement to TMZ. Von Miller's the reigning Super Bowl MVP and defensive end straight beast for the Broncos. And he comes out saying, yeah, I live with uh, Von Miller and all this stuff to TMZ. However, it comes out through sources and Von Miller himself that uh, Johnny Mazzella actually is not living with Von Miller.
1: See, this joke actually is funny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this makes no sense. But according to more sources in the recent news, and the Diamonds Out was living with
1: Josh Gordon. So, so this is all twisted. So Josh Gordon is not your typical drug addict. Normally when you hear drugs ruining someone's life, it's like hard drugs like uh, they're doing heroin or they're, they're messed up on. I just have never heard of someone like sacrificing this much career stuff. Or, uh, marijuana Right
2: And how do you pass Drug tests Because he gets Drug tested So frequently Because he's, he's on the crazy So For a year He he passes all of them And then You're talking 14 so br- yeah, months like he, later
1: He goes back Like he's a drug fiend To marijuana I've just never heard of it I've seen lots of people Quit smoking I myself I quit smoking marijuana And I never have any urges To smoke Yeah, but What's going on He's
2: about to be reinstated yeah. How he <laughs> like, like Oh
1: god And then Johnny And then Johnny Manziel is pretty much running like a Kanye West, Kim Kardashian-style life. Like, I feel like there needs to be cameras on this guy right now because he is hilarious. The drama in his he just ends up living the first most ridiculous situation in the NFL. Johnny Manziel ends up living with the second most ridiculous situation in Josh Gordon, or at least like players that potentially could be in the NFL if they could get their act together. Who the
2: right? hell is giving Johnny Manziel advice? Oh, you're really struggling and your off-the-field issues are making you not work in the NFL and no team wants you right now. Oh, go live with Josh Gordon.
1: Maybe Josh Gordon's giving him advice. Oh, that Maybe. that's really smart.
0: You guys heard about the the fake uh, Menzel picture that he posted on, on his Instagram account?
1: What is it? No. no.
0: So Menzel, on a Saturday night, posts a picture of him with his dog, hashtag Saturday nights. Uh-huh. When really – Making it seem like he's home with his dog. Really, he's in Las Vegas doing
1: who knows what. I've heard stories out, you know. about him like putting on a fake mustache and, and wearing a trucker hat and a disguise and then <laughs> part, trying to party in Las Vegas like he's somebody else.
2: Well what he tries to say he came on TMZ <clears throat> the same thing saying, I don't think there's a problem with partying, it's just getting out of control. Well Johnny Mazel, where is your line of out of control? It might be a little different than, you know, the standard NFL QB. Do you think Russell Wilson's going to be out doing this or Tom Brady?
1: Ridiculous. No. <laughs> yeah, so Johnny Manziel, Josh Gordon just can't stop smoking weed to save his life. Johnny Manziel just can't stay out of Vegas to save his life. Like these guys passing up the opportunity. The
2: poor Cleveland Browns. Anyway, that's another segment of the Rain Town Riot. And
0: uh, we'll see you next week.
1: Had a lot of fun this week. Thanks, guys.